everybody out this morning. Started off, there was about five of us here, and I was wondering, we're going to have to eat a lot to make use of the lunch that's being prepared. 
So with that song we just sang, I, I thought of that scripture where it says that our spirit answers with the spirit of God, that we are the children of God. So we're, we're in possession of the Holy Spirit, and we find that answering spirit, that oneness, with his with teachings of this word and and we can have we can have I know there are there are understandings out there and, and it seems that people don't know and they spend their life wondering if they're gonna be acceptable on on that final day and hoping they're going to be. The word tells us we can be sure. For our text this morning, I'll read the, uh, it's, a, it's a familiar text, the parable of the sheep and the goats, found in the 25th chapter of Matthew, starting at the 31st verse, and reading to the end of the 46th, reading these, name, these words in Jesus' name. When the Son of Man shall come in a... In his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was an hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and came unto me. ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee an hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of one of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in, naked, and ye clothed me not, sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not unto me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Amen. Greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We multiply it unto each one gathered here this morning, now and forever. Amen. So in these times we live in I think many of us feel that way that we might we might see this day I hope we do I want to I I don't want to see what's happening to the world on this day but I want to see Jesus and I think that 
all through the ages, people have waited for this time. It seems like times are that way and uncertain and in turmoil all over the world. Even our own federal government in much turmoil, much misunderstandings. But this talks about that great and wonderful day and great and glorious day when Jesus shall come. And in the, in the first chapter of Acts, when it speaks about first chapter of Acts, the seventh verse, and on a few verses, it says, And he said unto him, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world, of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in a like manner as ye have seen him go up into heaven. So I don't think it was unusual when Jesus was speaking to them and then he was simply lifted up into the clouds. And when he returns, it's it's hard for me to comprehend how this can take place, that he returns, and all the, all the people that have ever walked this earth are going to be assembled somehow before him. But when Jesus had, had accomplished what he had, and these, and these ones that followed him and knew him, saw him, it would only be normal that they would stand there watching this take place. But these these two men, it, it says, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. It could be the witnesses of Jesus, the, the power of the word and, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Jesus is gone, and he's going to return the same way. He'll, he'll return the same way. So then, this, this starts out. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. It says he's going to return, and di- different places say that, that, that his angels will come with him. Whether this is a great number or a few, we don't know. But I, th- I even think of the, the Christmas story which we're coming up to when, when the angels sang of the birth of Jesus and it says multitudes. I believe that the heavens were probably full of, full of angels and full of that song, glory to God and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. 
It says here, when he, when he returns, it says, before him shall stand, I'm, I'm putting words, before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as the shepherd divideth his feet, sheep from the goats. And he shall set, set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. I think it's interesting that this precept of the right and the left is spoken of here and it's it's followed us mankind would I say through through the ages right from the beginning to the end, and it will to the end when it seems that the, the right is right and the left is something we should be shunning and I think of even the world of politics and, and how foolish people are well, they, they must know something about this, the, the right and the left. But they, in their, in their political thinkings and leanings, they, they fall to the left. They claim to be children of God. They claim to know this word. And they swing to the left in their ideas and their ways. The left offers something for the flesh, I believe. And Jesus even uses this precept here. He says, the, the the king is going to separate these innumerable multitudes of people. And some will go to the right and some will go to the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. We know that Jesus, and I can't, I can't quote it and find it, but... but um, it says Jesus died from the foundation of the world in one place. And I was, I was going to read this, and we hear this text taken at, at funerals often. Let not your heart be troubled, the 14th chapter of John, the first few verses. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Automatically, I think our carnal thinking thinks that, and maybe I shouldn't speak for anyone else but myself, that that heaven needs to be kind of spruced up a little bit. And we think of a building, and there's a song that says that he's, he's not going to need this house any longer, and he, he hasn't got time to fix the windows and the doors, and and level up the floors and whatever it is, but heaven heaven is perfect. It doesn't need any sprucing up. It doesn't need any any cracks in the windows filled or fixed or or the doors sagging or anything like that. Anything like in this natural world. House gets old and needs some work. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. I believe he was talking about his up and coming death and resurrection and and that work that he accomplished in that dying on the cross and if I go to prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself and where I am there, there ye may be also and whither I go ye know and the way ye know so this place that he went to prepare he, he didn't have to take his toolbox up to heaven and and spruce up the place and 
fix up the floors or anything like that. I believe that preparing is in our hearts when we are prepared to meet him we are given faith to believe we're given faith to understand even just a few of these scriptural precepts and ideas all nations will gather before him the king shall say unto them on his right hand he separates them first And he says to those on his right hand, and I believe these are the most powerful and beautiful words we'll ever hear in this life or the next. Come ye blessed of my Father. You have the blessing of the Father. The scriptures don't say hardly a word about it. But when Jesus meets Mary after he rose from the dead he says, touch me not. I have not yet ascended to my Father. Jesus ascended to the Father and was presented to the Father or presented himself to the Father and the Father gave him that okay that the work that you have accomplished is perfect and good and this is the very essence of the story of salvation that we can be blessed with that same blessing this is what this is what he says to the ones on the right come ye blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world because we struggle with the concept of time, we gather here at a certain time and we eat at a certain time and we go to work tomorrow morning at a certain time, most of us. And, and time is such an important thing and, and it has to be in this world. We can't, we can't make appointments and, and not keep them and, and all this. But time is nothing with God. It's, it's like it doesn't even exist. And that's why Jesus, death and resurrection and accomplishing our salvation happened at a certain time. We can go back and say it was so many years, right? Right, Almost to the minute, I suppose. Some scientists could tell you to the minute when Jesus died on the cross and when he arose, when he arose. But in God's eyes, this happened for the first sin that was committed in this world. And God, God created this world and he put Adam and Eve on this earth. And they fell into sin. Their sins were covered. They had to believe this message of salvation, this gospel message, that your sins are covered. You're okay. Just believe. Believe in one that will come. Thousands of years down the road he came in the, in the flesh in this world. But the sins were covered from the beginning until the last one that will ever be committed in, in the, say, life of this world. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you. When we have an inheritance, we haven't done anything for it. 
He says, inherit the kingdom. It's yours. It's a gift. This kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And Jesus speaking here says, For I was unhungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Well, maybe for for people that were walking this earth the same time Jesus walked this earth, they might think, well... I did have some contact with him or or I didn't have any contact with him in his 33 years he he walked this earth but he says these things to to each one of us and all of us naked and ye clothed me I was sick and ye visited me I was in prison and ye came unto me I have a book of a uh, it's, it's kind of a I don't know if I would, if I knew the man, if I would really agree with him on everything, but he had, he had some amazing experiences and he was a, a God-fearing man in his later life. He was a wild young cow, cowboy in southern Alberta in his younger life. And, but anyways, he, he had an experience where he ended up in prison. And he, he quotes this scripture that, well, Jesus was in prison, so I guess it's not so bad that I'm in prison. I don't, I don't have any understanding that Jesus ended up in some physical prison. But we do know that it means this. It means more than that. It means that for some individual who has ended up in prison for his faith, Jesus was there with him. He dwells in and through and by the Holy Spirit in each of his believing followers. So even if a man is in a is in a physical prison, and the, and the other thing is, I don't think there's any recollection or, or any story of Jesus being physically sick. We we know that he was physically tired sometimes. It talks about that. He was he was flesh and blood as we are. But but it says he was sick. He says naked and he clothed me. There's no there's no record that he was ever naked. But his followers have been all these things. And his followers have experienced. We, we can't count the number of times and things since man has walked this earth. The conditions and the things that people have endured and, and come across in there. Whatever they, if it was three score and ten years they lived or some lived to 950 and 60 and some didn't make it a year. So you think of all the all the people and all the experiences, all the conditions people have gone through. Jesus covers them here. Naked and ye clothed me, I was sick and ye visited me, I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee? They didn't, they didn't know that they had done these things. And I, and I wish I could quote scripture more, but there's, there's a place where it says that, that this man did, and, and it's you and I, did what was the right thing to do. He did was what was expected that he should do. 
if he fed someone, if he clothed someone, if he visited him in prison. He didn't gain any points that way or, or get closer to heaven that way. He was just doing what is the right thing to do. So the, the righteous answer him. <coughs> when did we see these? When did we see you hungered or thirsty? When did we give you drink? They, did, they didn't even know. They weren't aware that they did these things. When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer. Jesus answers. The king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as ye have done it unto the one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. When our will changes, when we have, when we have a, a change of heart, I spoke about the prodigal son here some weeks ago. He had a change of heart. His will changed. He goes to the father. He goes, he, he's feeding swine in this, in this far country. And he's trying to find nourishment from this food that he's feeding the swine for himself. And he realizes this, this, is, this is going downhill awful fast. Back in my father's house, things were pretty good. I'm going to go back to my father. He, 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 had, a, he had a sort of a, what do you say, a pre-conversion there in the field when he fed swine in the far country. He comes back to his father. He says, I'm going to go back to my father. It's like he, it's like he's talking to himself, making up his mind what he what he should do. What would be the best thing to do? I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going to say, "Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight." The father tells the servants to put the best robe on and put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. He had a change of heart. He had a change of will. There's a there's a saying that says that a, if a if a man is convinced against his, against his will, he is of the same opinion still. You didn't you didn't change his his will. He you sounded quite convincing, and you convinced him of something, and then you go away, and he goes back to his old ways. Because his will hasn't changed. He might, he might think of of you and, and say, "Well, that was that was his idea," but this is the way I think. The word of God is quick and powerful, and and as it says there in, I believe it's Romans, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it gets down to the joint and the marrow of of our hearts and our thinking. It changes our will. The word of God is the only thing powerful enough to change a man's will. We, we develop these wills with, with our, say, limited understanding. The word can change that. We pray that it would. Pray that it would change. If we're off track on something, pray that this God would, this word of God would change our will. 
So these people seem somewhat surprised when when they answer this call, Come ye blessed of my Father. Much as ye have done it unto the one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me, Jesus says. Then we go to those that have, have been directed to go to the left. And that, I, I think, I think there's scripture to back that, that, that it calls this day a great and wonderful day. And that's for those on the right. For those on the left, it's also a great day, but it's great and terrible. It's not where any of us want to be. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. We read in scripture of or in, in Revelations, and that's also scripture, of course, about, about this, the fires of hell. I don't, I can't comprehend what they're going to be like, but I don't want to be there. Depart from me. Nobody that's drawn breath on this earth has ever experienced that. They experience the sun risings and the sunsets. And of course their lives are not good. They revel in the pleasures of this world. And, and, and it's not a, it's not a spiritual, uh, reveling like, like the Pharisees. Jesus tells them that they have their reward. Their reward is, I guess, the praise of men and, and all the fancy garments they wore and probably go through different stages. Every every organization and group you, you go through, you start wearing a different hat and you, you change your garments and you've got, you got different brass hanging on your chest and all these things. Jesus says of them that they have their reward. We don't have a reward yet. We, we could say that we have many blessings from God, innumerable. We don't, we haven't received that reward it talks about here when, when Jesus puts us on the right hand. Come, you blessed of the Father. So they have the reward in this life. And whether it's, well, I think of these, I think Amy just told us that the true is living in a house with three swimming pools and I don't know how many square feet and Poutine has a house that covers many acres brilliantly white I've only seen a picture of it from the air but it it covers acres of ground and and it's posh and these, these people look after themselves that's their reward when they close their eyes to this life It's going to be an extremely sad situation. Unless they repent of these things. These things can be forgiven. So he says to these on the the left, Depart from me, ye cursed. They don't have the blessings. They have cursings. 
into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was in hunger, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. It seems like even unbelievers, lots of them have have compassion for the poor or for someone in need. Why, why don't they get rewarded for it? It's because they don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in the Son of God. I don't, I don't suppose I can find it, but it says that if, if we don't believe in Jesus, we don't believe in God. If we don't believe in God, we don't believe in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is there that mediator between us and our Heavenly Father. And, it, and it's Jesus. He, he says, when I leave, I will send a comforter. When he, when he leaves this world physically, he, he sent a comforter. They don't have that. They might have helped their neighbor. In fact, here, here it says that they were sure they did. I don't, I don't know if we will stand there and argue with Jesus. I, I don't Maybe I don't understand the depths of this, but it seems like they were given a, a little space to say something, and, and so were these ones that went to the right. They say, when, when do these things happen? Jesus says, if you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Jesus dwells in the hearts of his, of his own I was a stranger and you took me not in naked and you clothed me not sick and in prison and you visited me not they actually did these things Jesus says they didn't do them so have we got an argument going on here then shall they also answer to him saying Lord when saw we in hunger or thirst or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison I did not minister unto thee we did all these things. Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did, ye did it not unto me. Speaking about the children of God, speaking about those that believe or, or those that will believe, they were not visited by that Holy Spirit that leads and guides us. And, and, and the Word teaches us, it leads us into all truth. Does that mean that all of us don't make mistakes anymore? If we're led into all truth, we shouldn't be making mistakes. No, we have the natural side of us. We can make mistakes. We can falter and we can fail. That Holy Spirit keeps us, it keeps, maybe, maybe I could say pushing us back onto the road that leads to eternal life. We thank God for that. It forgives our mistakes. Jesus forgives our mistakes. The Holy Spirit forgives our mistakes. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. It, 
it seems to me way too harsh. But it's like the rich man in Lazarus. He ends up on the wrong side, the rich man. And he says, send Lazarus to my five brothers that they don't have to come to this place of torment. Abraham, I believe it says, they have, a, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. For someone who has never heard a thing about this word, they will be judged differently, I believe. The word teaches that. But, but these days, Beth, Beth was talking to a friend of hers in Leslieville yesterday, and, and they were saying how the, how the internet is such a thing these days, and there's so much wrong on it, but then there's so much right can be portrayed to the whole world. The gospel can be proclaimed to the whole world. If people are, are there fidgeting with it and clicking away. Hopefully they don't see the bad, but they can see the good. So, so all all kinds of inventions through the ages have been have been labeled as being the work of the devil. And I think even cars were about the beginning of the 20th century. This is the work of the devil. And anything, any invention can be used for good or it can be used for for bad. So there are probably, I don't know the numbers. How, How could I know? Probably very few people who haven't heard anything about Jesus. And we know that there are whole societies. I think of of Thomas after the time of Jesus ended up in India. And, and some people people feel that Joseph of Arimathea ended up in England. I've heard that. I don't, I don't know. God knows these things. But we know that the word has been spread. And there are nations that have had spiritual, true spiritual revivals that are now in darkness. And I would venture to say that if the world would last long enough, Canada would be there too, and the U.S. The Western world has known revivals in Christianity in its fullness, in its power, and we're turning back into the Dark Ages. Luther brought us out of the Dark Ages. Luther didn't, God did. But he used men like Luther and many others to proclaim this word. There's no reason anyone has to be on the left. If we answer the call, there in Revelation, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open unto me, I will come in and I will sup with him and he with me. We have to be, we have to be in that condition of heart where we are willing to open the door. Jesus does not elbow his way into our lives. He never has. His greatest desire is that we would welcome him, call him in 
and he will sup with us and we with him. Meaning that, meaning that just, just exactly this, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. It starts here in this life. We start by repenting of our sins, asking that our lives could be changed. We're going down the wrong road. Jesus and God are faithful to forgive us our sins. We can assure one another, we can, we can command one another, thy sins are forgiven. Remember that. Come to know that. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus has accomplished the work. All we have to do is avail ourselves of it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we receive the benediction? May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. There's a potluck for those who want to join for lunch here. Anybody want to be able to have a study? Yes? Okay.